Hey everybody, thanks so much for listening to this podcast. I hope it's really helping you grow in the Lord. But I just wanted to take a second just to talk about this great tool that I've been using to bring the Word of God to people. Anchor is a tool that allows you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And when hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your podcast to listening platforms like Spotify and Apple Podcasts and a lot more. So it's really been helping me reach people that I can't go to their house and actually teach them a Bible study. So it's everything you need in the podcast in one place. The best of all, Anchor, and it's totally free. So download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Welcome to the Word Bible Study with Pastor Dan. I hope you're as excited as I am to study the Word of God together. So let's get started. I believe that there is one God. I believe this world's full of false gods and other religions, but I'm going to talk to you a little bit and teach right out of the Bible about how we can be confident in our belief in one God. Deuteronomy 6.4 says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And thou shalt love the Lord your God with all thine heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy might. Now this was the basis of the original covenant in our Bible. So, early in our Bible, we are taught here that the Lord our God is one Lord. Now if we turn to Mark chapter 12 and 29, Jesus repeats these words right in the beginning of of the new covenant in the New Testament. And Jesus answered him, the first of all of these commandments is hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Now this is when they came to him and was asking him about the greatest commandment. And Jesus goes on to quote to them Deuteronomy 6.4 to show the importance of Deuteronomy 6.4. As I said originally, there are many false gods in this world. We know that there are devils that parade like angels and pretend to be like God. Satan wanted to be like God in the Garden of Eden. So God wanted to make it very clear in the Bible that there is one God. Now I know that can get confusing because people, well, what about Jesus? What about the Holy Spirit? And I, I'm hoping that this Bible study will bring a lot of clarity to you because we're going to show in the Bible how all of these are the same one God that we see talked about right here. Let's go to Deuteronomy chapter 4, starting in verse 35, where God's going to make it clear again that he stands alone. He, he showed you these things so you would know that the Lord is God and there is no other. He let you hear his voice from heaven so he could instruct you. He let you see his great fire here on earth so he could speak to you from it. Because he loved your ancestors, he chose to bless your descendants, and he personally brought you out of Egypt with a great display of power. He drove out nations far greater than you so he could bring you in and give you their land as your special possession as it is today. So remember this and keep it firmly in your mind. The Lord is God both in heaven and on earth, and there is no other. If you obey all my decrees and my commands I am giving you today, all will be well with you and your children. 
and I am giving you these instructions so you will enjoy a long life in the land of the Lord is giving you for all time, for all time. And of course we read later that we buy into an inheritance into this promise later in the book of Ephesians, which I get into that in other Bible studies, but today I'm focusing on one God. So he clearly here states, and again, in Deuteronomy 32, verse 39, it says, See now that I, even I, am he, and there is no God with me. I kill, I make alive, I wound, I heal. Neither is there any that can deliver out of my hand. So there is no other God besides the almighty God that we serve. And this now you go into the prophets, and the prophets confirm a lot of what we read here in Deuteronomy as well. So let's go to Isaiah. We'll go to chapter 43 to start, starting in verse 10. Ye are my witnesses, saith the Lord, and my servant whom I have chosen. And ye may know and believe me, and understand that I am he. Before me there was no God formed. Neither shall there be after me. I, even I, am the Lord, and beside me there is no Savior. Wow, that's pretty big. There's no Savior. If I have declared, and I have saved, and I have sowed, then thus was no strange God among you. Wow, so he's saying, if I did all this, then there was no strange gods among you. Therefore, ye are my witness, saith the Lord, that I am God. Yea, before the day was, I am he, and there is none that can deliver out of my hand. I will work, and who shall let it? Now, that was the King James, so I'm going to read it in the NLT just so we can get a little clearer with it. But you are my witness, O Israel, says the Lord. You are my servant. You have been chosen to know me, believe in me, and understand that I alone am God, and there is no other God. There has, never has been, and there never will be. I, yes, I am the Lord, and there is no other Savior. Wow, that says a lot. Jesus isn't God. First, I predicted your rescue, then I saved you and proclaimed it to the world. No foreign God has ever done this. You are witness that I am the only God, says the Lord. From eternity to eternity, I am God. No one can snatch you out of my hand. No one can undo what I have done. Those are powerful words from a God who can save you. No other God can save you. Buddha, Muhammad, no other God can save you but Jesus. I'm going to read Philippians, starting in verse 5. So let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. So he was God. But made himself of no reputation and took upon the form of a servant, he and was made in the likeness of man. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name and that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow the things in heaven and the things on earth and the things under the earth 
and that every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the God the Father. Now I'm going to read that again real quick in New Living so we can hear it a little bit clearer. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges and he took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. And he appeared in human form and he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on the cross. Therefore, God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all names that at the name of Jesus Christ every knee shall bow in heaven and on earth and under earth and that every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Now again if we go back to Isaiah 43 back in verse 10 it says that I alone am God and there is no one beside me. There never has been and there never will be. So if they're not all one Bible is starting to contradict itself but if we can see through and as this Bible study goes along I'm going to give you more to confirm this but if we can see how Jesus is God wrapped in flesh we're going to start to understand what they're talking about here so let's go to Isaiah 45 starting in verse 21 consult together argue your case get together and decide what to say who made these things known so long ago? What idol ever told you that they would happen? Was it not I, the Lord? For there is no other God but me, a righteous God and Savior, and there is none but me. Let all the world look to me for salvation, for I am God and there is no other. I have sworn by my own name, I have spoken the truth, and I will never Go back on my word. Every knee will bend to me, and every tongue will confess allegiance to me. The people will declare the Lord is the source of all my righteousness and strength, and all who are angry with him will come to him and be ashamed. In the Lord, all the generations of Israel will be justified, and in him they will boast. So he's clearly talking about Jesus here in Isaiah. Isaiah loved to talk about Jesus. Now let's flip to the book of Acts, chapter 4, starting in verse 8. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of our people, we are being questioned today because we've done a good deed for a crippled man. Do you want to know how he was healed? Let me clearly state for all of you and to all the people of Israel, that he was healed by the powerful name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, the man you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead. For Jesus is the one referred to in the scriptures where it says, the stone that the builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. There is no salvation in no one else. God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. There is no other name other than Jesus that we find our salvation. Now let's take a look at Exodus 34, starting in verse 14. You must worship no other gods, for the Lord, whose very name is Jealous, is a God who is jealous about his relations with you. And if you go on here, like they go on to show God's jealousy. He's like, don't make any idols, 
don't sacrifice to other gods, don't marry the people who do, because if you do, you'll be led astray. So he's a very jealous God who would not let us worship anything other than himself. 1 John 5, 7 says that there are three that bear witness in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost, and these three are one. And then if you go to the book of John, starting right at 1 John, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word already existed, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So they weren't two, it was one, it was God, who was also the Word. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through him. So again, creation came through God. And nothing was created except through him. The word gave life to everything that was created. And his life brought light to everyone. And the light shines in the darkness. And the darkness can never extinguish it. God sent a man, John the Baptist, to tell about this light. So that everyone might believe because of his testimony. John himself was not the light. He was simply a witness to tell about the light. The one who was the true light. Who gives light to everyone. Was coming into the world. He came into the very world he created. But the world didn't recognize him. He came to his own people. And even they did rejected him. But to all who believe in him. And accept him. He gave the right to become children of God. And they are reborn, not with a physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God. So the Word became human and made His home among us. And in the King James it says, The Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness, and we have seen His glory and the glory of the Father's one, and only son so he's saying God wrapped himself in flesh and became a human being became his own son as a human being and we know that Hebrews 13 and 8 says Jesus is the same yesterday today and forevermore now let's take a look at back into the Old Testament again Dan 3 and 25 says he answered and said, Lo, I see four men loose. So this is talking about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego when they went and bowed down and they got cast into the fiery furnace. But he says, I see four men loose walking around in the midst of the fire and they have no hurt and the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. So we see the Son of God in the Old Testament here. And we see it several places. I can I could pull up scriptures all day about the the burning bush and several examples in the Old Testament where Jesus is there in the flesh. But in Luke 1.35, it says, And the angels answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the Most High shall overshadow thee. Therefore also the holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. So even in the Trinity, people talk about the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. It gets weird because it says here the Holy Ghost is the one that overshadowed Mary. So the easiest way to really understand this is to understand that God, the Holy Ghost, and Jesus, all three, are one. Just like it says in 1 John. 
So Hebrews 2 and 16, for verily he took not on him the nature of angels, but he took on him the seed of Abraham. So he's talking about Jesus becoming a man from the seed of Abraham. So let's talk about Jesus being born on earth. Of course, in order to do that, you've got to go to Isaiah chapter 9. And it says, For a child is born to us, a son is given to us, the government will rest upon his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His government and its peace will never end, and he will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for all eternity. So, here it clearly calls the Son of God uh, the Mighty God. The same way they've always referred to Israel's God, the mighty God. And in Matthew 1 and 23, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. So he's saying here, you're going to give birth to a son, which is going to make God on earth. It will be God wrapped in flesh. Now we're going to look at 1 Timothy 3.16. And I know I'm moving fast here, so feel free to pause it, rewind it, show this message that you are the one in control. And you can listen to it again and again if you want. <laughs> but here we go, starting in verse 16. And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifested in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, and received up into glory. So again, here it clearly says that God himself was manifested in the flesh. So it starts to make sense. When we see that God wraps himself in flesh becomes Jesus it starts to we start to see how the two have become one so Colossians has a couple of places right in the beginning we're gonna read about starting in chapter 1 we're gonna start reading in verse 15 because this is really hard to argue with Christ is the visible image of the invisible God he existed before Anything was created and is supreme over all creation. For through him, God created everything in the heavenly realm and on earth. He made the things we can see and the things we cannot see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. He existed before anything else and he holds all creation together. Christ is also the head of the church, which is his body. He is the beginning, supreme over all who rise from the dead. So he is first in everything. For God, in all his fullness, was pleased to live in Christ. I'm going to read it in the King James. It says, For it pleased the Father, for him should in all fullness dwell. So God dwelled fully in Christ. And through him God reconciled everything to himself. 
he made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. This includes you, who were once far away from God. You were his enemies, separated from him by your evil thoughts and actions. Yet now he has reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ in his physical body. As a result, he has brought you into his own presence, and you are holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. But you should continue to believe this truth and stand firm in it. Don't drift away from the assurance that you received when you heard the good news. The good news has been preached all over the world, but I, Paul, have been appointed as God's servant to proclaim it. I am glad when I suffer for you in my body, for I am participating in the suffering of Christ that continues in his body, the church. God has given me the responsibility of serving his church by proclaiming his entire message to you. The message was kept secret for centuries and generations past, but now it has been revealed to God's people. For God wanted them to know that the riches and glory of Christ are for you Gentiles too. And this is the secret. Christ lives in you. This gives you assurance of sharing his glory. So we tell others about Christ, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom God has given us. We want to present them to God perfect in their relationship to Christ. That is why I work and struggle so hard depending on Christ's mighty power to work within me. I want you to know how much I have agonized for you and for the church of Laodicea and for many other believers who have never met me personally. I want them to be encouraged and knit together by strong ties of love. I want them to have complete confidence that they understand God's mysterious plan, which is Christ himself. In him lie hidden all the treasures and wisdom and knowledge. I am telling you this so no one will deceive you with well-created arguments. For, for though I am far away from you, my heart is with you. And I rejoice that you are living as you should, and that your faith in Christ is strong. And now, just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. Let your roots grow down into him, and let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will go strong in the truth you were taught, and you will overflow with thankfulness. Don't let anyone capture you in empty philosophies and high-sounding nonsense that come from human thinking and from the spiritual powers of the world, rather than from Christ. For in Christ lives all the fullness of God in a human body. For in Christ lives all the fullness of God in human body. I'm going to read it in King James. For in him dwell all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. That's what they're saying. In Christ lives all the fullness of God in a human body. So you also are complete. Through, through your union with Christ, who is the head over every ruler and authority. Now, if we're still struggling with that, we're just going to have to go back to the book of John. Because the book of John is probably the easiest book to read to give you clarity in this subject. I already read a little bit from John chapter 1. But we're going to do like a skip through here. We're going to go to chapter 3. We see here Nicodemus comes to Jesus. And he asks, what must I do to be saved? And Jesus tells him he must be born again. He doesn't understand. So starting in verse 5, Jesus replies, I assure you, no one can enter into the kingdom of God without being born of water 
and the spirit. Humans can reproduce only human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. So don't be surprised when I say you must be born again. The wind blows whether wherever it wants, just as you can hear the wind, but you can't tell where it comes from or where it is going. You can't explain how people are born of the Spirit. How are these things possible, he asked. And Jesus replied, You are a respected Jewish teacher and you don't understand these things. I assure you, we tell you what we know and have seen, and yet you don't believe our testimony. But if you don't believe me when I tell you about earthly things, how can you possibly believe me when I tell you about heavenly things? No one has ever gone to heaven and returned. But the Son of Man has come down from heaven. And as Moses was lifted up on the bronze snake pole in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, so that everyone who believes in him will have eternal life. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten Son, that anyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. God sent his Son into the world not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. There is no judgment against anyone who believes in him, but anyone who does not believe in him has already been judged for not believing in God's one and only Son. For the judgment is based on the fact God's light came into the world, but people love darkness more than light. So we see here that Jesus is the only way to be saved. And again, throughout the Old Testament, we are told that salvation comes through God. And we also read here, that salvation comes through the Holy Spirit as well. So that would be hard to, again, understand if we don't believe that all of them are one God. So here's Jesus again in chapter 8 saying something that we've heard God say back in Exodus. Starting in verse 51. I tell you the truth, anyone who obeys my teachings will never die. And the people said, Now we know you are possessed by a demon. Even Abraham and the prophets died, and you say anyone who obeys my teachings will never die. Are you greater than our father Abraham? He died, and so did the prophets. Who do you think you are? And Jesus answered, If I want glory for myself, it doesn't count. But it is my father who will glorify me. You say... He is our God, but you don't even know him. I know him, and if I said otherwise, I would be a great liar as you. But I do know him and obey him. Your father Abraham rejoiced as he looked forward to my coming. He saw it and was glad. The people said, you aren't even 50 years old. How can you say you've seen Abraham? And Jesus answered, I tell you the truth. Before Abraham was even born, I am. At that point, they picked up stones to throw at him, but Jesus was hidden from them and left the temple. Now, why did they pick up the stones to throw at him? Well, let's go back to Exodus 3, and we'll see why. Starting in verse 11. And Moses protested to God, Who am I? To appear before Pharaoh, who am I to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt? God answered, I will be with you, and this is your sign that I am the one who has sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, 
you will worship God at this very mountain. But Moses protested, If I go to the people of Israel and tell them the God of your ancestors has sent me to you, they will ask me, What is your name? Then what should I tell them? And God replied to Moses, I am who I am. Say to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, Say to the people of Israel, Yahweh, the God of your ancestors, and the God of Abraham, and the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, has sent you. So here, that's the reason why they got ready to stone Jesus. It was blasphemy for him to say that he was the I Am. And he said, Before Abraham was, I am. Now just because Jesus said, I am, I like to go through the Bible and look at some references to the book of John where Jesus says the I am. He tells the Samaritan woman in chapter 4 that he is the Messiah. He says, I am the Messiah. Then if we flip forward a little bit to chapter 6, he says, I am the bread of life in verse 35. And in in 41, he says, I am the bread that cometh down from heaven. In verse 47 of chapter 6, he says, I am the bread of life. And in 51, he says, I am the living bread that comes down from heaven. Anyone who eats this bread will live forever. And this bread which I offer them is my own flesh. Then we skip forward a little bit more here. And in verse 18, of course, he says, I am the I am. In chapter 9, he says, I am the light of the world. In chapter 10, he says, I am the good shepherd. So Jesus is the light of the world. He shines a light in our path and shows us where we should go. He's the good shepherd because he keeps us and he looks after us and guides us through life. And then in the next chapter 11, it says, Jesus told her, I am the resurrection and the life. And anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. This is where he raises Lazarus from the dead. So as we flip through the Bible, we keep seeing place after place where Jesus, as the I am, tells us throughout the book of John what he is to us. Jesus is my savior, my rock, my healer, my deliverer, my shepherd, my king of kings, my lord of lords. He is my God and my savior. So let's keep going here to chapter 14. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. And if you already knew me, then you would know who my Father is. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Now, this is a great place in the Bible, chapter 14, verse 8. Philip doesn't quite get it yet. Poor Philip. And Philip said, Lord, show us the Father and we will be satisfied. Now pay attention to how Jesus responds to him here. Then Jesus replied, Have I been with you all this time, Philip, and yet you still don't know who I am? So he asked him about the Father, and here Jesus replies, Who I am. Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. So why are you asking me to show him to you? So Jesus is almost getting upset with him here. 
Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words I speak are not my own, but my Father who lives in me does the work through me. So very clear, he's saying God lives in this body. I am God's vessel. He lives inside me. Just believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Or at least believe because of the work you have seen me do. I tell you the truth. Anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done and even greater works because I am going to be with the Father. You can ask for anything in my name and I will do it so that the Son can bring glory to the Father. Yes, ask me anything in my name and I will do it. So there, clearly Jesus says, me and Father are one. I'm in him, he's in me. He wrapped himself in flesh, became a human. We call him Jesus, but it's God. Yahweh in heaven, Jesus wrapped in flesh, same God. So what about the Holy Spirit? Well, let's go on here. Jesus goes on and says, If you love me, obey my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. But you know him because he lives with you now. So he's saying me and the Holy Spirit are the same. And later will be in you. No, I will not abandon you as orphans. I will come to you. Soon the world will no longer see me, but you will see me. Since I live, you also will live. When I am raised to life again, you will know that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. So he's saying, me, the Father, and the Holy Spirit are all one. I'm in him, he's in me, and I'm going to be in you. Those who accept my commandments and obey them are the ones who love me. So when you do this, when you get this concept, you love him. And because they love me, my Father will love them. And I will love them and reveal myself to each of them. Judas, not Judas Iscariot, but the other one of the disciples with that name, said to him, Lord, why are you going to reveal yourself only to us and not to the world at large? And Jesus replied, All who love me will do what I say, and my Father will love them and will come and make our home in each of them. Our home, the Father, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. All three of them are going to come inside of you. Our home. Anyone who does not love me will not obey me. And remember, my words are not my own. I am telling you this from the Father who sent me. I am telling you these things now while I am still with you. But when the Father sends the Advocate as my representative, it is the Holy Spirit who will teach you everything and will remind you of everything I have told you. I am leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. Remember what I told you. I am going away and I will come back to you again. If you really love me, you would be happy that I am going to my Father who is greater than I am. I have told you these things before they happen so that when they happen, you will believe. So he's telling them when this Holy Spirit comes, I don't want you to think it's some other God. I want you to know it's me. And I am God. We are one. And the Holy Spirit is one with us. All three bear witness in heaven and are one. So, I'm getting carried away there. But the point 
is getting painfully clear. <laughs> so one more. Let's go to John chapter 17 and hear Jesus' prayer, which is to the Father, and it shows, again, the oneness of God in this prayer. After saying all these things, Jesus looked up to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son so he can give glory back to you. For you have given him authority over everyone. He gives eternal life to each one you have given him. And this is the way to have eternal life, to know you, the only true God. And Jesus is the one you sent to earth. I brought glory to you here on earth by completing the work you have given me to do. Now, Father, bring me into the glory we shared before the world began. So again, this is a flashback to the beginning of the book where John wrote, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. I have revealed you to the ones you have given me from the world, and they were always yours. You gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything I have is a gift from you, for I have passed on to them the message you gave me. They accepted it and know it came from you, and they believe you sent me. My prayer is not for the world, but for the ones you have given me, because they belong to you. All who are mine belong to you, and you have given them to me, so they bring me glory. Now I am departing from the world. They are staying in the world, but I am coming to you, Holy Father. You have given me your name. Now protect them by the power of your name, so that they will be united just as we are. During my time here, I protected them by the power of the name you gave me. I guarded them so that not one was lost except the one headed for destruction, as the scriptures foretold. Now I am coming to you. I told them many things while I was with them in the world, so they would be filled with my joy. I have given them your word, and the world hates them because they do not belong to the world, just as I do not belong to the world. I'm not asking you to take them out of the world, but to keep them safe from the evil one. They do not belong to this world any more than I do. Make them holy by your truth. Teach them your word, which is truth. Just as you sent me into the world, I am sending them into the world. And I give myself as a holy sacrifice for them so they can be made holy by your truth. I am praying not only for these disciples, but also for all who ever believe in me through their message. I pray that they will all be one, just as you and I are one. As you are in me, Father, and I am in you, and may they be in us so that the world will believe you sent me. How beautiful that we could be in Christ as Christ is in the Father and as the Father is in Christ. That is the Holy Spirit at work in our life. The Holy Spirit inside of us is God living inside of you. And God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So let's turn to the book of Revelations, 
might as well end with the last book in the Bible. <laughs> Starting with 1.1. This is the revelation from Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants the events that must soon take place. He sent an angel to present this revelation for his servant John, who faithfully reported everything he saw. This is the report of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. God bless the one who reads the words of this prophecy to the church, and he blesses all who listen to his message and obey what it says, for the time is near. This letter is from John to the seven churches in the providence of Asia. Grace and peace unto you from the one who is and who was and who is still to come, from the sevenfold spirits before his throne and from Jesus Christ. He is the faithful witness to these things, the first to rise from the dead and the ruler of all the kings of the world. All glory to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by shedding his blood for us. He has made us a kingdom of priests for God his Father. All glory and power to him forever and ever. Amen. Look, he is coming with the clouds of heaven and everyone will see him, even those who have pierced him, and all nations of the world will mourn for him. Yes, amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, says the Lord God. I am the one who is, the one who was, and the one who is still to come, the Almighty One. And I, John, am your brother and your partner in suffering, and in God's kingdom, and in the patient endurance to which Jesus calls us. I was exiled to the island of Patmos for preaching the word of God and for my testimony about Jesus. It was the Lord's day and I was worshiping in the spirit. Suddenly I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet blast. It said, write in a book everything you see and send it to the seven churches in the cities of whose names I do not even care to try and pronounce right now. <laughs> when I turned to see who was speaking to me, I saw seven gold lampstands, and standing in the middle of the lampstands was someone like the Son of Man. He was clothed in a long robe with a gold sash across his chest. His head and his hair were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were like flames of fire. His feet were like polished bronze refined in a furnace and his voice thundered like mighty ocean waves. He held seven stars in his right hand, and a sharp two-edged sword came from his mouth, and his face was like the sun in all its brilliance. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as if I were dead. But he laid his right hand on me and said, Don't be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I died, but look, I am alive forever and ever and I hold the keys to death and the grave. Now, this, this definition that they give of him being white with eyes of fire and polished like bronze, and you can read in Isaiah and in Ezekiel that that's exactly how they described God in heaven. And this is Jesus with the same appearance in heaven in the book of Revelations. But he says, I've died and I've rose again. So it was clearly Jesus. Now, if we flip over to chapter 4, right in the beginning it says, Then I looked, and I saw a door standing open in heaven, 
and the same voice I had heard before spoke to me like a trumpet blast. And the voice said, Come up here, and I will show you what must happen after this. And instantly I was in the Spirit, and I saw a throne in heaven, and one sitting on it. And the one sitting on the throne was as brilliant as gemstone, like jasper and carnelian. And the glow of the emerald circled his throne like a rainbow. So again, they're describing Jesus in the book of Revelations the same way they described God in heaven before Jesus came to earth. And we'll flip right to the end of Revelations and we'll read this last part in chapter 22, starting in verse 10. Then he instructed me, do not seal up the prophetic words in this book. For the time is near. Let the one who is doing harm continue to do harm, and let the one who is vile continue to be vile. Let the one who is righteous continue to live righteously, and let the one who is holy continue to be holy. Look, I am coming soon, bringing my reward with me to repay all people according to their deeds. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes. They will be permitted to enter through the gates of the city and eat the fruit from the tree of life. Outside the city are the dogs, the sorcerers, the sexually immoral, the murderers, the idol worshippers, and all who love to live a lie. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to give you this message. For the churches, I am both the source of David and the heir to his throne. I am the bright and morning star. So that's how powerful God is. He's not confined to any one space and time like we are. Our God is infinite. He is the beginning and end. He is all powerful and all mighty. He can wrap himself in flesh and come to earth as a human to get other humans out of the predicament that we put ourselves in. And then he can also send his spirit to live inside of us so that we can actually have God in our lives helping us to live the way he wants us to live. He didn't want to give us a book of rules like he did in the Old Testament and see us fail once again. He knew that that way would never work. So he knew that was just going to be a foreshadow for the coming and that he would write his words in our hearts and that through being filled with the Holy Spirit, we would be united with Christ and live lives like Christ lived. So if you haven't been filled with the Holy Ghost, I do have a Bible study on that and I can't wait for you to check it out as well because there's no better way to get to know God then invite him into your life and let him show you on the inside who he really is. So it all starts with repentance. We have a change of our mind and we turn our hearts away from the world and towards Jesus Christ. And we accept him as our God and as our savior. And then after we repent, we get baptized in his beautiful name where the blood of Jesus is applied to our life and washes away all of our sins. But it doesn't stop there. He promises to send us a gift. 
He promises that after we repent and we get baptized, that he will give us the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues. And that is God living inside of you. So if you haven't experienced these things, it is a free gift that God offers to you. All you have to do is believe. You have to believe the words that I just read to you out of this book. And you've got to put them in action. So I'm going to give everybody an opportunity right now to pray with me. And if you haven't accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, now is a perfect opportunity. Like accept him into your life and he'll help you get everything else right. And he'll help you do his other commandments, which is be baptized and filled with the Holy Ghost and walk in the Spirit. So right now is an opportunity. Let's bow our heads and say a prayer. Dear Lord Jesus, we come before you today, God, as your children, God. I want you to be the king over my life. I want you to be the God in my life, Lord. I know that you and the Father are one and that your spirit is inside of me today, God. I thank you, Lord, for providing a way out of sin in this world, Lord. I thank you for allowing us to be made right and holy and righteous before you, God. Will you continue the work, God, that you've done? And I know you will because your word promises that you will continue the work in our lives, Lord, until the day that we come live with you in heaven, God, and you give us glorified bodies to be like you. We worship you and we praise you, God. We thank you for getting the confusion out of our heads, God. Let this message resonate deep in the people who hear it, God, that they'll understand that you are God and that Jesus is the same God just wrapped in flesh and that we can come to know you greater through your Son and through your Holy Spirit. We worship you and praise you, God, and in Jesus' wonderful name, Amen. Thank you, everybody, for joining me today. I hope that this gets the confusion that the devil is putting people's minds out of there. Because God did not give us a spirit of confusion, but he gives us a spirit of a sound mind. So let's continue in faith. Let's know that Jesus is living with us, and he's going to take care of us and be our good shepherd. So I love all of you, and until the next time, God bless.